The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your host today. I hope you're having a nice warm July day wherever you are. Uh, it's about 91 degrees in New Hampshire, and we're not used to this. So um, we'd like to talk today about um, something that I think is really, really important, and that is about recovery and what does it mean to be in recovery and what does it mean to be healthy and well and how does wellness and health fit into recovery. Um, we're going to also kind of focus on what I hope with healthcare, we will begin to, to, to look at, and that is what creates resiliency. All of us go through situations in our life, and um, we all have developed some way to cope with something. And what we found um, through research is that there are basically six things that support resiliency. One is to provide opportunities for meaningful participation in, in something. One, another is to increase uh, positive social bonding. The other one is to set clear and consistent boundaries. Uh, the other thing that builds resiliency is to teach life skills. Um, another thing is to provide caring and support. And then the uh, last but certainly not least is set and communicate high expectations for people. And, um, you know, and we can focus on illness and symptoms and on what's what's troubling somebody or we can begin to develop interventions and treatment that focuses on building resiliency. And our guest today um, has developed that um, through a very dynamic program that he's going to talk to us about. And our other guest is um, the national editor of Prediction Professional Magazine who goes around the country and sees what's happening in all kinds of treatment programs as well as being part of the upcoming National Conference on um, Addiction. So let me introduce our guests. Um, first, I would like to introduce Scott Strode, who's the founder and executive director of Phoenix Multisport, which is um, uh, a sober, supportive community in Colorado where strenuous activities such as mountain climbing and triathlon serve as a vehicle for fellowship. Um, Scott is also going to be presenting at the National Conference on Addiction Disorders in September. Um, And I'd also like to introduce uh, Gary Enos, who's a friend and also the editor of the Addiction Professional Magazine. And Gary and I have known each other for a long time, and I know Gary to be very active. He's a great tennis player. And, Scott, it sounds like you're very active, too, in doing all kinds of um, strenuous physical activity. And, Scott, could you begin by sharing with our audience a little bit about how you came to develop uh, this supportive um, strenuous activity community in Colorado? 
certainly, certainly. And I wanted to say thank you for having me uh, on the show. And uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery. And for me, that means I haven't uh, drank or, or used drugs in 16 years. Um, and uh, it was through my own personal journey of being introduced into triathlon and climbing and, and the boxing gym that uh, sort of led to the to the start of Phoenix Multisport. Uh, here in Colorado, and Phoenix Multisport offers free events here in Colorado to anyone who has 48 hours clean and sober, and people that adhere to our code of conduct, which basically says we have to treat each other respectfully, um, then they're allowed to attend. And our our instructors are all in recovery themselves, so they introduce them into the sport that is meaningful to them, whether it's you know CrossFit or boxing or yoga. Um, and they share about their own recovery journey. Uh, but the focus is really on sort of being forward-looking um, and developing sort of this new positive coping mechanism, but but a way to build new friendships um, and to dream in recovery about what you want, to, what mountain you want to climb or what bike ride you want to do. Um, I was reading the article that Gary wrote in the Addiction Professional magazine, and there's a quote that he started the article with that I believe is what you said, we're kind of missing the mark if we're just happy that we didn't drink today. Could you expand on that? Yeah, certainly. And, and I was, I feel really fortunate when I got sober, I actually found my, my first fellowship in, in the boxing gym. I went into a boxing gym in Boston and, and met a bunch of guys that were in recovery that also were training for the golden gloves and, and they sort of brought me under their wing and started teaching me about boxing. And it was in that first few months of being in that gym when I actually quit drinking uh, and using. Um, but but those guys, um, you know, helped me sort of dream of something bigger in my life other than than just not, um, you know, going out to the bars. I, I I got sober and I pretty quickly realized that you know, I didn't know who I was. I had no sense of self other than myself as an addict and an alcoholic. And and it was, you know, literally standing on top of mountains that helped me find myself as a climber and as a, as a friend and as a climbing partner. And that later on became, you know, a good brother and a good son and a good coworker. Um, Gary, I was just wondering um, what your thoughts are on... Well... Uh, Mary, first, thank you very much for uh, inviting me again. Uh, it's great to be with you again for this format, which I really enjoy. Um, the I, well, we were struck by a lot of things when we interviewed Scott and when we decided to feature him on the uh, May June issue cover of Addiction Professional uh, magazine. And, and if folks want to see that article, they can go to our website, which is addictionpro.com, and you'll see a cover image of Scott um, on the May June issue, and you can click on that and you can access the article. But but basically, um, a couple of things that struck me, and maybe Scott can uh, expand on them a little bit. One is the fact that this is a very inclusive group. I mean, he explained the 48 hours sobriety and, and, and the fact that these are you know, very accessible uh, activities. But people should not construe it as something where you have to have been a, a former world-class athlete or someone that really you know, has been very into a certain sport. So I was wondering, Scott, if you could explain a little bit just how it's not necessarily the, the actual activities, but it's, it's sort of what grows beyond that that's so important to this. Yeah, certainly. And, and 
you know, I think when I got sober and what I've also seen, you know, with the team members at Phoenix Multisport is that, that it, I had a lot of fear and anxiety about going out and trying to uh, connect socially without a drink or a drug in my system. Um, I really didn't know how to do that. And I, I, um, because of that, I isolated and I was sort of went into this depression almost, um, early in my recovery. And, uh, cause I sort of felt like I was no part, no longer part of the club. Everybody else was out there kind of drinking and having fun and using, and I couldn't do that anymore. Um, and it was very intimidating to get into sports like boxing or climbing. Um, you know, they're very technical sports. Uh, it takes sort of a mentorship to be brought into them. And I sort of had to carve that out for myself in the beginning. But um, so at Phoenix, we try to be very conscious of making it welcoming to anyone that walks in the door. And I think if anybody goes to our website at phoenixmultisport.org, they're going to see all these photos. And, you, you, you know, at first blush, you kind of think these guys are serious athletes, you know. But the truth is most of those people in those photographs had never had a climbing harness on before coming to Phoenix they hadn't thrown a leg over a bike, you know, in years. And, um, and because of coming to Phoenix and becoming, coming to our beginner events, they were slowly brought into these sports. And then for some of our team members, you know, they, as they got sober and they got involved and they became students of these different disciplines we instruct in, um, that became their identity. And they actually became, you know, quite good at the sport. They had a couple people turn pro. Um, in mountain biking and some pretty elite level cyclists and climbers. Um, but that's not the intent of Phoenix. It's really just to get people there in the gym together, uh, trying on the harness and trying rock climbing for the first time. So do women participate in this as well? Do you get many women involved? Um, there's about 40% of the folks that attend Phoenix are, are female. And, and I think one of the reasons that, that, everyone feels welcome here is that, that that code of conduct, sort of how we treat each other. Um, we make it pretty clear in the beginning that, that, you know, Phoenix is, it's not a dating club. Anything that is, you know, could be perceived as racist, sexist, homophobic is not welcome here. Um, any language that isn't nurturing isn't welcome here. And our staff tries to sort of um, bring people along and work with them if they're having trouble sort of, uh, bringing the, that nurturing energy to the, to the Phoenix event. Because for me and a lot of folks in recovery, the sort of template that I build relationships with was inherently flawed, right? It was built in my addiction. I got sober and I tried to build friendships with the same sort of flawed template. Um, so I had to totally recreate um, how I developed friendships. And that's what we try to do so that everyone feels welcome and supported here. If you could characterize like one activity that um, it's the easiest for somebody who just comes in in early recovery to do that doesn't have a lot of experience, which activity would that be? I would have to say um, just coming to the social events. We have several social events a week. Um, We also have things like craft night where somebody might come and just do some painting or um, help us with a painting project, uh, you know, coming up for one of our fundraising events. We had a canvas that was um, totally uh, painted by our team members uh, for one of our fundraisers. And 
And so we kind of integrate some of that sort of art therapy stuff. It's not a formal uh, sort of process. It's just we're all coming together and sharing time together. So I think maybe coming for maybe one of the full moon hikes, which is on a pretty flat trail around this beautiful lake up in Boulder on a full moon, um, or one of the social events down here in Denver or Colorado Springs. So um, as you go through this, Scott, what have you learned about yourself in terms of moving forward in your recovery? Um, I've I've learned a lot. I think... um, I think people that work in this field uh, may kind of connect with this experience that I have, which is, I think early on in Phoenix, I, you know, I started to find these things on my own, climbing and, and biking and did triathlons and raced long distance triathlon. Um, but over time, it started to feel um, like it was just for me. And if it was just for me, it wasn't full of as much um, sort of reward. What I realized is that what really filled me was to share those things with other people. And so, you know, the, the idea of giving back to keep it is something that a lot of us in recovery understand. And so I started taking other folks out there and, and sharing my love for these sports. But what I realized is that on some level, I think I engaged in this work because I was trying to sort of heal some pain I had myself. Um, by helping others heal. And and I think a few years into Phoenix, I really had to take the step back and realize that I need to do some of my own work still to grow in my recovery process so that I can c- continue to show up and help others. Um, so I did some therapy and I did a sort of therapeutic retreat and focused on some of the root reasons of why I drank and why I used. And, and I think that that was, you know, Phoenix really was this, you know, kind of thing I thought I started to help others, but it's helped me grow significantly. And we'll be right back after this commercial with Gary and Scott to talk more about um, wellness and how to make more of your recovery than just um, being satisfied that you didn't drink or drug today. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and today our guests are Scott, or, sorry, Scott Strode, the founder of Phoenix Multisport, um, located in Colorado, and Gary Enos, who's the editor of Addiction Professional Magazine. Um, and while we were at break, the three of us were talking, and um, Gary, you brought up a really great question, and I wonder if you could repeat it for our audience. Sure, Mary. Um, Scott, I wanted you to maybe address the, uh, the issue of... Um, achieving balance in recovery, and obviously uh, the whole issue of, of wellness and physical fitness is, is critically important and a critical component, but there's always probably that danger of either taking it to an extreme or, or maybe not processing it properly, and, and I wanted to get, have you talk a little bit about what you've experienced in that area and then how, how you try to help people achieve that balance so that they don't maybe go too far in, in a certain direction. Sure, sure, and I think... You know, I think part of it is is what I learned early on, you know, going into the boxing gym when I first got sober, at, you know, at 24, I still sort of had that thrill-seeking behavior, and I still had a lot of, um, you know, sort of, not aggression, but just energy I had to release, and, and being in the boxing gym and hitting the heavy bag and getting in the ring um, really kind of filled that void at first, but I quickly realized that you know, boxing is not that good for you um, because I was a heavyweight and the other guys hit pretty hard. Um, but I, I started to try to find some some balance. I mean, I was in the gym seven days a week at first, and and I was actually overtraining. So I think we we try to bring this mindfulness to Phoenix, where our staff um, kind of tries to model that stuff for our team members about balance and 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 sort of understand that you actually get stronger on your rest days that your training days break you down and the rest days when you recover and, and, and build that adaptation and build that strength. Um, because I think, you know, all of us who are in recovery, I think, or any human, I, I should say, I think has, has the ability to latch onto those either process addictions or behavioral addictions. And we just have to be careful that we're not just transferring one thing from the other. Um, and we want to be healthy as we talk about body image and we think about food and we want to be balanced in our workout and realize that, you know, there's other things in our life besides just getting in the gym and doing a CrossFit workout. And I think one thing I try to think about a lot, in my opinion, you know, addiction means when something's detrimental to you or people around you and you continue to do it. Um, And I think we try to think about that at Phoenix. You know, if you're injured, Take some time off and let your body heal. Maybe try yoga or a different sport to kind of let your body recoup, and then you can get back into biking or climbing. I'm I'm curious, Scott, do you find that if people have a setback in their own recovery or uh, uh, that kind of thing, do you find that Phoenix serves as a supportive community uh, for sort of helping to get people sort of back on track, or, or do they do, will people be absent for some time and then return? How does that, how does that unfold usually? 
Well, I think that's one reason we say that we people have to be 48 hours sober before they come, is we, we want to take the power out of the relapse a little bit, right? Because I think sometimes the relapse happens, and then we bury ourselves in this shame. You know, I failed, I had this much time, and I drank, and now I need to go out for a year and just really bury myself in this relapse. But at Phoenix, we try to say, you know, what went wrong? What are you doing different this time? And are you going to be here Friday because we want you at the workout and we miss you? So come on back. And we try to get them back in the door right away. And I think having that community, you know, we've seen it in 12-step. In, in and I think outside of meetings, you can also further build your fellowship um, through Phoenix. So you have this community that really loves you and wants to, to hang out with you and spend time with you. So they're the ones that are reaching out and connecting when you do relapse. So Gary, um, base, um, Gary, I'm sorry, Scott. I was wondering, it, do you, does your staff monitor for, um, I, I know you kind of monitor for your um, code of conduct, but do you monitor for steroid use or people who are maybe drinking or under the influence on your premises or... Well, How does that we, work? we don't really have to. It becomes a self-policing environment, right? Because it becomes a safe place for our team members. And, and they're really engaging. Everyone who walked through our door sort of was welcomed in by, you know, all these really energetic, um, outgoing alcoholics and addicts who, you know, love the sport. So they're happy to bring in a new person into the sport. And I think if you're active in your addiction it's not always the place you want to be around a bunch of happy, active alcoholics. Um, <laughs> and I mean, people active meaning, you know, doing the workout. And, and I think the community will bring it to our attention. They'll come to our instructors and say, hey, I'm worried about this person. They seem to be having a hard time. Or I'm not sure if this guy's totally, you know, has got it yet. He might be still out there. Um, but in some ways, as long as they can put together the 48 hours, we would rather them come in here on Friday and Saturday and maybe somebody goes out and drinks on Sunday, but, but the more days they spend with us, the less days they're out there. And if they can put together the 48 hours, they're welcome to come into Phoenix. And I think sometimes they'll see that you can actually have quite a bit of fun and recovery. And it's not, it's not sort of a loss of a peer group. It's actually, you can gain a very, a new, very supportive peer group. Um, Scott, give give a sense of uh, how many people have been touched by this in the in the short time that you've uh, that your organization has been in existence. Yeah, well, we we started our first trip was in 2006, and 2007 is when we really got our nonprofit status and got rolling. Um, I think in 2006 we had uh, you know just a handful of people come to Phoenix. And uh, just this year, we, we broke 8,000 people who've come through our program and have connected to Phoenix. I think by the end of the year, at the rate that we're adding new people to Phoenix, we'll um, be over 11,000 uh, 11, people coming through our program by the end of this year. What's the fee, Scott? How do you support it? It's, it's totally free to come to our events. So we have about 50 events here in Colorado every week, and they're split up between Boulder, Denver, and Colorado Springs, and all of those events are free to the participant. One way we bring in revenue is by partnering with treatment centers that are doing good work in the community, and we try to engage and connect with their, their um, 
patients or clients while they're in treatment and then try to bridge them into our supportive community, thereby, we believe, enhancing their outcomes. Um, So we have a fee-for-service program where we partner with inpatient treatment programs. We do their wellness programming. And then as the people transition out, we try to bridge them into our community events. Um, And that's one way. And the other is through individual donations and grants. Um, We're at a really interesting time because we're trying to expand outside of Colorado we're looking sort of at New England and California, um, Salt Lake and Reno as a couple areas we might go. And so we're trying to generate donor support in those communities. But once we get a toehold there, we can do some partnerships with drug courts, with treatment programs to offset what we have to raise through, through donations. Well, come to New England. I would love to. That's where I got sober in Boston. So I would love to get back there and, and yeah. give back what I got. Yeah. Well, we'd love to have you out here. It's pretty. It's pretty clear that this is. Even though Colorado has some built-in advantages and having some great settings uh, for this kind, some of these kinds of activities. I mean, this is obviously Scott a very translatable um, concept to other to other places. Correct. Uh, certainly, and 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 the biggest thing for us is how do we carry that culture because. It, you know, we do want it to be a place where we're supported by each other. And I think, you know, any any human really has the ability to sort of lift each other up or pull each other down. And we want to make sure that when you come to Phoenix, you're helping, helping lift each other up. Well, and I think that every, probably every location you look at has some unique um, things about it. You know, there's certainly, in New England, there's a lot with, Water, water sports, and you know, sailing and um, hiking, and all four seasons. Just similar to Colorado, except our mountains aren't quite as high. But <laughs> they're still pretty serious mountains. I learned to climb up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and it it helped get me sober. But I think I think you're right. I think the exciting thing is that. Phoenix will look different in different communities. We just got back from Orange County where we raised about a third of the budget we need to expand to Orange County. Um, but out there it'll be paddle boarding and surfing and the runs will be along the beach and CrossFit will be outside. And, you know, it's just neat to think that the disciplines will vary a little bit, whether they're in Detroit or, or Boston. But hopefully the experience for a Phoenix team member is the same. Well, and I think probably what wasn't as um, highlighted in the article was the fact that you do do yoga and there's crafts and other kinds of activities that um, would appeal to a, a very broad audience as well. Yeah, and I, that's really important. You know, it's hard to tell that story sometimes through the website or through, you know, some of the videos that have been shot on Phoenix in the past, but it really is open to anyone. It doesn't matter if you've been inactive your whole life and been you know, out there using and done a lot of damage to your body. You can still come to Phoenix and find some activity that you can be part of, and you can still help build that new community and those friendships. And that really is the win. You know, I think at first we find the positive coping mechanism. We find new identity through the sport. But it's really the friendships that come out of it. I mean, those are the guys I reach out to on a weekend and say, hey, who wants to go for a hike or who wants to grab dinner and see a movie? And, um, you know, it's just a, a beautiful community that's grown up around Phoenix. Is there is there a more typical age range, Scott, in terms of who this tends to uh, attract? 
I, I think we, 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 anybody's welcome from 16 and up. Um, and it depends where they find us. Sometimes our community programs will be more in the early 20s, whereas folks coming out of treatment seem to be more in that late 20s, early 30s, um, or even a little bit older. I think our biggest concentration is in the late 20s, early 30s. Um, and also, we've seen a lot of veterans come into Phoenix as well. We've started serving vets specifically about four years ago, and that's been a great great aspect of our program. And we'll be right back. Great stop. We'll be right back after this commercial for um, more on Phoenix program and the National Conference on Addictive Disorders. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Why do people behave the way they do? The study of human behavior is one of the most interesting facets of life. Human behavior gets played out in a limitless number of ways. Now, there's a radio program that explains the why and the how of what we do. Human Behavior, What a Trip, is hosted by Dr. Jonathan Brower and will include interesting guests as well as call interaction from people like you. Let's have fun with this together. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today, and our guests are Scott Strode, who's the founder and executive director of Phoenix Multisport, and Gary Enos, who's the uh, editor for the Addiction Professional Magazine and website. And, you know, um, 
we were saying during the break that everything that, that Scott's group is doing really are things that support resiliency and wellness. And um, he said that he used a lot of his own experience, um, both uh, personally and professionally, to kind of pull this program together. And um, I think that, you know, having, having an outlet, having something to do with sober people um, besides going to meetings, meetings are important and they're good, is so, so important because um, I, I was just in Italy for 10 days and if you if you had to remain sober every day, that would have been really hard, you know. Um, there were some people on the, the tour who didn't drink, some people who drank too much and others who were kind of in the middle, but there was alcohol everywhere. And and I think sometimes as treatment providers, we underestimate the challenges that people face when they when they become sober in early recovery. And and you were talking about that social, you know, uncomfortableness that people have where if you go and you participate in an event with somebody, some of that melts away. So I yeah. you know, I I really applaud your your endeavor. Why why thank you. And I and I think um, you know, another thing that Phoenix does that, that sort of addresses that is that they're, people are open about their recovery um, as part of Phoenix. I mean, there's certainly other places where, um, you know, those that attend Phoenix respect uh, somebody's anonymity. But, but in a Phoenix event, if you go to our website at phoenixmultisport.org, you'll see in those photos, you know, we're racing in a bike jersey with the Phoenix on it. We're doing a 10K with the Phoenix on our shirt, and and you know some of our guys we have one shirt that just says sober across the chest, and and our folks will do a CrossFit workouts in it and go for a run, and just being out there in the world and saying hey I'm sober I'm actually proud of being sober, and and it's made a big difference in my life um, makes space for people that are struggling to ask for help, and the other thing it does, I think is it is it. Um, lets you helps you let go of some of the shame from your use. Um, obviously, maybe because of your job or something, you might not be able to be open about being in recovery. But if you're able to be, I encourage folks to share because you'll realize that so many people are touched by this. And when you're open, you'll make a space for people to come to you and ask for help themselves. And it also takes out some of that social pressure because you're not going to have your friends offering you a drink or trying to get you to have a glass of wine if you're just open and honest with them about your experience. The, the testimonials on uh, the Phoenix Multisport website, by the way, are, are very powerful and, and can really tell what the impact has been. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Scott, was having to do with the treatment centers that you mentioned. Um, I find now when I cover this field and when I visit uh, facilities or, or speak with uh, leaders, they really seem to be paying more and more attention to uh, the more holistic aspects of care. And, and you know, if, if this is indeed a biopsychosocial spiritual illness, as, as we hear, uh, we obviously need to pay attention to all of those elements. And I'm wondering, when you speak with treatment centers, uh, do they seem to get that more now? And, and are they receptive to this as a more important component, not just some frill or, or something on the side, but something that's really part and parcel of good treatment and good uh, recovery? Um, you know, it, it depends. I think some do, and I think 
you know, of course there's treatment programs that say, oh, we have a wellness program and, you know, we roll some basketballs out on the basketball court and the guys play for an hour, you know, and, and that's quite different than what Phoenix does. I think there's some people that recognize that, that having that, you know, positive coping mechanism, that the, the power of exercise just on brain chemistry, um, what it does for the, for the addict's mind, you know, there's science out there about exercise and, um, how it can actually repair the brain some. I think the idea of recovery community is something that, that people are really starting to recognize as, you know, you can leave treatment and have all these tools that you can utilize and you can do some great treatment work on the reason why you drank and you used, but, but you still need a community that follows you on this journey that's supportive. And, and building that supportive community is, is sort of our niche. That's what we do well. And um, so I think I think some are very uh, forward thinking in their in their way of looking at this, with trying to develop alumni groups and whatnot. And you know, to work with those alumni groups is something Phoenix loves to do because we help them actually bridge in it more into the um, kind of this broader community. At some point, you know, I hope to be just you know, you're the guy in recovery, you're a triathlete, you're a climber but you're also just part of a, of a greater society and you're no longer just defined by, by your drinking or your drugging. I think that's so important because when, when you talked about balance earlier, that um, it's really, I think it's really important for people to come full circle and be able to be open and proud of the fact they're in recovery, but also not let that define you, that there's more to you than that, and you have other abilities and other attributes. And, you know, no one else, you know, you know, no one else that has a chronic illness defines, begins by saying, hi, I'm Mary and I have, you know, diabetes, or hi, I'm Gary and I have, you know, obstructive uh, pulmonary disease, you know? Right. I just think it's important that, that, that there's a path for that evolution. I, I think you're right on the mark with that, and in, in that that um, you know, I think that I think of it this way: it's like you're on a journey, and you need to look back over your shoulder to see where you came from, and those right. experiences on the trail or on the mountain um, behind you influence how you continue to climb the mountain, right? So I know. I'm an addict and I'm an alcoholic. And so that influences how I look forward and move up this mountain. But I, I say all the time, I think it's really hard to move forward while you're just looking backwards. And okay. I think that, you know, at 16 years now, I'm proud of the fact that I'm a good family member, a good son and a good brother and a good coworker and friend. And that's where I put most of my focus. And I know that I'm an addict and alcoholic, but it doesn't define me. Those other things are those are now the foundation of who I am. Right, and I'm not sure that 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 as treatment providers we spend enough time on that. You know, I'd like to pull Gary in on this because it's kind of a philosophical question, and I don't know whether it's because people are just trying so hard to get reimbursement and stay alive in terms of treatment facilities, or whether as a field do we just not get it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I do think that the awareness is increasing, but I do agree there are so many demands on facilities uh, right now in terms of financially, operationally, the workforce, uh, just uh, so many uh, challenges. 
and change because everybody's wondering how facilities are going to be affected by health reform, et cetera. But uh, I do find, I, but I think Scott is right also. There, there are variations in whether people use this label as something that's just a label and, say, and can say in their marketing, we do this, we, we are holistic, or we, we worry about mind, body, spirit, or whether they really um, walk the walk, so to speak, as, as, as uh, an organization like this does in its community. Um, so I, I, I think there's room for, I think there's definitely room for improvement, but I, but I do feel that people are paying a little more attention to it. And maybe with some of the integrated care that will happen with health reform, they'll be forced to really think more holistically and, 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 uh, look at more integrated types of, uh, solutions. And, and I, I also, I, I agree with Gary on that. I think that, um, you know, I also think that the time that someone has them in treatment as an individual in treatment is limited. So there's so much they're trying to cram into this short period of time that, you know, to see treatment programs coming up with sort of phased programming that then can extend out another few months, or they have a workshop that somebody can come back to and do a week's workshop on grief or early childhood trauma or something like that shows that they're trying to address some of these other other aspects of what people have to work through. Um, but I do think it'll take, you know, all different types of organizations, things like Phoenix, things like good treatment, good detox, good therapy. Um, and it, it's going to take all of us to kind of make a difference on this issue because none of us are going to solve it by ourselves, I don't think. No, no, it's going to take a village. Um, is is your organization just open to people in recovery or can their family members come or can other people come as well? Well, we try to, we intentionally changed the mission statement, you know, after the first version because we wanted it to say it's open for folks in recovery from substance abuse or individuals that choose to live sober. And we've seen a lot of people choose to live sober to, to be part of Phoenix, but also to support a loved one that's part of Phoenix. You know, so you may have a husband and wife um, who come to the Phoenix and, and the wife is recovering from her addiction and the husband decides to give up the occasional glass of wine to support her and to be part of Phoenix because he draws something from this community as well. And then I think it's great because our team members get to meet somebody who's just choosing to live sober and, and it makes more of a blended community. We don't feel like, hey, we're all junkies and drunks here, you know. It's it's uh, just regular folks having fun, you know, laughing on a hike somewhere or trying to climb a mountain together. So I think it's important to bring people. And that's another reason the 48 Hours is great, is if you want to come check out Phoenix, then just get 48 Hours sober and come in. It doesn't mean that you have to have a problem. It just means you're choosing not to drink for two days so you can come be part of this. So when you started this, did you think you were going to end up with uh, CNN's Top 10 Hero Award or being a speaker at a national conferences? Um, I definitely didn't think those things would happen. <laughs> but, um, but we did from day one want this to be in communities all over the country. So to see that start to, to come together now, you know, especially in, in sort of Boston and Orange County where we have pretty good traction. Um, you know, it's, it's exciting. And I think we're almost at that place where if we need a few more sort of donors and supporters in those communities to come in, they, that Phoenix will, will be this national footprint. 
And and what I'm most excited about is is you know for example to have this opportunity to speak at the conference with Gary. It's it's just an opportunity to get people thinking differently because you know I think of it this way. It's like building a building. You know, you build this space for people to come, and that's what Phoenix did. We sort of pioneered this concept, but but what people do in this building years from now is is going to what will be it, what makes the difference. You know, it's the next generation of Phoenix staff and team members who have a creative idea of how to do a sober living or something like that that will be the future. Um, that's really really cool, and we'll be right back after this commercial for our final segment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter, and migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Listen every week for Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao. Our program focuses on behavioral health issues like depression, dependence on drugs and alcohol, anger management, stress, and other challenges. From ADHD to bipolar disorder, we'll want to hear from you with questions and experiences to share. That's Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao, live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Find out more. You don't need to deal with this alone. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today, and we've been talking with Scott Strode, the founder of Phoenix Multisport in Colorado, and Gary Enos, who's the editor of Addiction Professional Magazine, about fellowship and fitness and resiliency and all kinds of really 
um, positive things that support recovery. And I'd like to give Gary some time to talk a little bit about um, the National Conference on Addictive Disorders, which is going to be in Anaheim, California in September. And Gary, you've been, um, I've known you for a long time through a couple uh, renditions of, of the magazine, and I want to applaud your um, willingness to take on tough issues and um, put information out there that may sometimes not be agreeable. Well, thank you, Mary. We definitely try to take a Big Ten approach to everything we do in our coverage and also with our conference, which very closely reflects our coverage. So I'll just say a couple things about that. Uh, Our conference, again, is going to be September 21st to the 25th in Anaheim, California at the uh, Marriott in Anaheim. And uh, basically, we have involvement from several organizations that are supporters or sponsors of uh, the meeting, including um, the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, uh, the International Certification and Reciprocity Consortium, ICNRC, which represents a lot of the credentialing authorities for credentialing counselors in the field, uh, NALGAP, the uh, Gay and Lesbian Association of Addiction Professionals, and uh, we have some great uh, presenters this year in terms of our plenary speakers, which are kind of the, the signature cornerstone. And, of course, Scott will be one of those. Scott will be featured on Sunday, September 22nd, and we'll be able to tell some of his story and the story of Phoenix Multisport. And, and maybe we'll even by then have some, some additional news about how this concept is growing and possibly expanding elsewhere. So that's all great. A uh, couple of the other highlights, David Mee Lee, uh, who is with the change companies and, of course, is the architect of the ASAM criteria, uh, will be presenting on both the criteria and how clinical standards are a very major issue this year in the field, including with the adoption of the new diagnostic and statistical manual. So that will be uh, a very important session on Monday the 23rd. And then on Tuesday the 24th, and this is really referencing, Mary, what what you were talking about regarding uh, sort of jumping into the fire of the more controversial topics that are out there in the field, we're going to do a panel uh, discussion on uh, marijuana um, uh, legislation or marijuana-related items at the ballot box, sort of stemming from what happened last fall with the votes, in uh, particularly in Colorado and in Washington State, and uh, featured on that panel will be uh, individuals representing both sides of the debate. Uh, one of those individuals will be Ben Court, who uh, Scott knows well, who uh, was with Phoenix Multisport at one time and has recently moved over to CEDAR, the treatment organization in Colorado, and was very involved last year in the debate in Colorado on the marijuana legalization uh, ballot item. Uh, uh, he was advocating against that, of course, and it did did pass, and I think there are probably a lot of implementation issues around that that uh, are very interesting and, and difficult to get one's arms around, so it's going to be an important session there, but but uh, yes, it'll be a very diverse conference uh, reflecting a lot of the different both points of view in the field and some of the key clinical issues for uh, both clinicians and uh, managers. So um, if people want to attend the conference, Gary, how do they go about doing that? Well, the best way to get information about the conference would be to visit the conference website, which is uh, www.nationalconferenceonaddictiondisorders.com, or they can go to our magazine website, addictionpro.com, and up in the 
navigation bar at the top, there's an events category, and they can find NCAD, NCAD under uh, the events um, listing. And uh, there is actually right now an early registration discount period, which ends August 9th. So uh, certainly those who are interested in uh, possibly uh, being at the meeting in September uh, would be great to go on in the next few weeks and, and look for that information. Um, and also, uh, we have a Behavioral Health Leadership Summit in conjunction with the conference that is more of that CEO level kind of discussion, and that takes place mainly over the first two full days of the conference, which are the Sunday and Monday, the 22nd and 23rd of September. So there are sessions and tracks of interest to both clinicians and administrators, and so it's a very um, broad-based uh, effort. And Scott, how can people find out more about Phoenix? Uh, you can go to our website at phoenixmultisport.org. There's, um, when you go there, if you scroll down on the left-hand side, you'll see a couple of videos that tell you more about what we do. And, and if you go through that selection of videos, there's actually a 20-minute documentary that was done on us uh, just this past year that really tells the story of, of Phoenix and what it's like to be a Phoenix team member. Um, and then you can always just uh, shoot us an email at info at phoenixmultisport.org. So, um in our, we have like a couple minutes left. Um, what would be your take-home message to our listeners, Scott? I think if you're if you're out there right now listening to this and you're you're currently struggling with your addiction, and um, I just want to let you know, there's a whole bunch of us out here living sober, and it's a really amazing life. There was a time I didn't think I could get to the other side of my own addiction to crack cocaine and alcohol, but but I was able to and. And, um, you know, there's a beautiful life out there. There's a bunch of us out there. Uh, you can always contact Phoenix, and we can try to steer you in the right direction or find a 12-step meeting near you. Um, but, but there's hope on the other side of this. And if you're in recovery, I encourage you to dream big and get out there and get after it and, and share your time with other folks living sober and help them dream big as well. And, Gary, your take-home message for, for our listeners? Well, I would just say that um, my observation is certainly that there are many uh, caring communities out there and that the professional community that I cover is really getting more attuned to these issues. So I think there are great resources in communities, whether it be from traditional treatment, sober living, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I just want to urge people to join our community of readers. Uh, uh, you don't have to be a credentialed professional necessarily to go onto our website and to, to, to uh, read what we produce. We certainly produce for a professional audience, but we also, uh, I think our articles and topics are very relevant. So addictionpro.com is a good uh, source for a lot of that. And uh, we also have a LinkedIn group if anyone is partial to LinkedIn. Uh, we have an addiction professionals group that's very strong and very uh, um, opinionated. And so that's a very uh, active community, and uh, we would love people to uh, be part of that conversation as well. And I just would like to... Um repeat the resiliency um, factors, which, Scott, your program certainly provides um, every opportunity for people to build resiliency. So in order to build resiliency, we need increased pro-social bonding. We need to have 
set clear and consistent boundaries for ourselves. Um, teaching life skills is really uh, helps with resiliency. Providing caring and support builds resiliency. To be able to set and communicate high expectations and to provide opportunities for meaningful participation. So everything that um, we know that builds resiliency, Scott, you're doing. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think we're all phoenixes rising from the ashes, no matter who we are. So Yeah. Um, I want to thank you both for being our guests today. And um, it's been great, and it's been very informative. And I wish you great luck with your um, branching out, and I hope you get to New England. And, Gary, um, I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.